mean, I didn't initiate it. It was definitely mutual uh, along the way. There's definitely been a lot of conversations. There hasn't been I initiated anything, but it is what it is. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. That's all I know. Uh, obviously, I'm happy about the 10 years I've had, but we'll, we'll have to read about it later. We'll have some fun. Maybe we'll have a book one day. We'll have some good stories. The Las Vegas Review Journal. You're going to ask questions about Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I, I know. You're going to ask, so let me just put it out there. He contacted me the other day. said, hey, I'd like, I'd like to get a shot. You know, I'm, I'm working out. And so he sent me some videos. The next thing I know, he's working out with Tyler Lockett. I don't know how that happened. But he's does that guy deserve a second shot? <laughs> I, I think he does. Somewhere. I don't know if it's here. I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's even in football. I don't know. But it's just people get a second opportunity at, at, at their lifetime opportunities, and they can make the most of it if, they, if they're ready for it and, and all that. I don't know. I I don't mean to send out any mixed messages about that, but I wanted you to understand that that's how serious this is. It's second chance time. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, you told me something in the break there that I am uh, disgusted with. Not only does your bracket pool, uh, you're allowed to submit multiple brackets and you fill out multiple brackets, but you require $20 per person that enters. Right. But if they put in a second bracket, you don't take more money from them. No, because we're nice people. That we don't want to gouge people. That is unbelievable. We don't want to gouge people. It's got to be 20 per bracket. No, we don't, we don't want to gouge people. There's, like, there's college kids in this thing. They don't have a lot of money. They fill doesn't out have a lot one of money. bracket for $20. No, my son doesn't have I mean, money. one see, bracket for see, $10. Listen, <laughs> listen you, are, you, think you're, you think you're helping out the college kids that you don't want to price gouge. But in reality... You're just filling out two brackets for 20 bucks when you should be making yourself pay extra for two brackets. But then I'd be gouging people. No, they just fill out one bracket. No, we give them two. We're That's nice ridiculous. people. We're very nice people. That's ridiculous. In, in the standings, third. Jared will know this in the standings. It'll say, like, Jared just is one. Right. It's then ridiculous. you go down a few. It'll go, Jared just is four. <laughs> four. <laughs> you know, Ed, first and fourth place. Just, just be happy that I'm going to give you $20. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see if you get that twenty dollars. You better hope Jared wins and finishes in the money, so he doesn't owe you anything. We're up to eighty-two hey, brackets. That's which how is, I play well, fantasy sports. Well, hold on, we're up to eighty-two people. Eighty-two people, which means so we're be there's three brackets. people so far. And if you're listening out there, get your second bracket in. Who have only filled out one bracket? You're allowed to fill out two. So if you haven't done that, that's on you. Unbelievable. Um, so we're at you know one fifty. You know, would it be one fifty-nine or whatever it is? One one sixty-two, whatever it is. I'm not good at math. Um, so there's a lot of brackets to go through. Why don't you just let them fill out as many as they want? Well, we don't want to go. But we don't want to be weird. What's the? What's we the? We don't want to be weird. What's the possible number of bracket outcomes? Like nine billion, or is it nine right. trillion, or something? I, can't I mean, remember. literally. Let, him, let Jared fill out nine billion brackets. For several years, Warren Buffett basically said, "I will give you a million dollars if you right. fill out a perfect bracket," and he's never had to actually do that. Jared. In first place with Jared's bracket number 176,422. <laughs> there you go. All right. The Raiders, we're going to jump back into this because they had a big day yesterday. We talked about the defensive additions. Uh, they traded Yannick Ngakwe away for Rock Yassin. They signed Chandler Jones to help out their pass rush, uh, added some big names on the defensive side of the ball. But they also made some moves on the offensive side of the ball and – you know it's a big day when we're talking about fullbacks because former Raiders fullback Alec Ingold, who last year hurt, he ended up signing with the Dolphins. Got two years, $7.5 million in total. The Raiders did not tender him. The Raiders were ready to move on from him. 
The Raiders yesterday signed Jacob Johnson, who was the Patriots' fullback the last three seasons. He doesn't have a career carry, by the way, but he does have 13 career catches for 83 yards. Presumably his role is not going to be to do a lot of catching or running, but more blocking. Um, does it make sense for them to go from Alec Ingold to Jacob Johnson simply because I mean, the fullback might know the system? Would they sign? They signed Jacob Johnson to a one-year deal, right? And uh, Ingold got, got two what? years. Ingold got two but years, but they could have tendered and him, and it would have been a lot, right. lot less than what he was getting from Miami. I don't see the difference other than one guy's from the right. Patriots and knows I, Josh McDaniels. I enjoyed people tweeting, oh, he, they got a guy in that knows the system. Is the fullback position yeah, the fullback so th- complex that, that Alec Ingold wouldn't be yeah, able to pick it come up? come on. <laughs> Alec Ingold's a pretty smart guy, as we know. If, I think he could pick it up, and he actually might even be able to run the ball. It, right, that's the thing. Like, Alec Ingold has been a much more productive player from the fullback He's actually run the ball. Than Jacob Johnson. I, again, it's probably not going to make a big deal. I just found it hilarious. People say, well, he knows the system. Like, it's the fullback spot. The Raiders also are bringing in Brandon Bolden, a former Patriots running back. My goodness. Presumably this is going to be their third down back. They're going to go Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and then Brandon Bolden will get some third down work here. Not going to probably get a lot of carries at the end of the day. Maybe he'll be a pass catcher in some uh, some extent, depending on game situation there. He did go to Ole Miss, so I like Brandon Bolden. But, um, is this gone to Jalen Richard? Uh, most likely, yeah. I can't imagine they'd bring back Jalen Richard with this. How many pay- mm. former Patriots is too many? I mean, are you going to tell me they're going to win like the Patriots used to win and there's not enough? But, I mean, it's just. I mean, do you think Brandon Bolden and Jacob but Johnson here's a, here's are the, the reason they I won? I don't think. No, that's the thing. I don't. <laughs> the fact that these guys are former Patriots mean nothing given <laughs> how, at least, you know, how either, like you said, either um, what his role is going to be or how unproductive they've been. So. Whatever. Third down back, full back. If you like those guys and you have a relationship with them, like you said, it's not going to be like they're not the quarterback. Uh, the thing we did not mention at uh, 7 o'clock, you know Chandler Jones played for the Patriots for his first three or he four years. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Before like, he went to Arizona. Patrick Graham, was he was on the right. staff with the Patriots right. when Chandler Jones was there. Like, literally maybe. every move they're making maybe. is uh, that guy used to be a Patriot. Maybe we haven't given enough credit to Pat Graham. <laughs> Can we talk at all about when Chandler Jones got traded to the Cardinals? Because that is still one of my favorite stories of all time. Him shirtless in the police parking lot yelling, please forgive me with his hands on his head. (laughs) And then the next day, he's now an Arizona Cardinal. So here's I'll say this about the Chandler Jones signing. The... Let's say the Patriot way, for the most part, is not to pay anybody, right? They don't tend to give out the big contracts to their own guys. They tend to let them walk. Like, yep, you were productive on your rookie contract. See you later. Chandler Jones played his rookie contract there. They ended up trading him to Arizona. Uh, And then a few years later, Josh McDaniel circles back and says, you know what, I want to pay that guy a lot of money to bring him on. I feel like that's going to be a – that's not exactly the Patriot way, even if it's a former Patriot, because the Raiders would have been like, – or the right, Patriots right. would have been like, yeah, we'll find somebody that's getting paid $7 yes. to do this yeah. just as well. we'll I don't see. know if Belichick's fallen over his chair pissed off that he's losing these guys. Probably not. Even, he's not I upset mean, that Brandon yeah, Bolden yeah, is McDaniels, now Yeah, McDaniels, you want to have this guy, then you can have this guy. I'll get something to they'll, fill in. They'll find a Brandon Bolden yes. replacement. They'll find another fullback, not named Jacob Johnson, that can learn the offense and – less than a year um now he is familiar with it familiar uh 
What could be more interesting? What do you think they do at wide receiver? Who's Mac Collins? I mean, Mac Collins is going to be a special teamer. They signed Mac Collins yesterday from the Dolphins. Um, he had 14 catches last year. Did score four touchdowns, but he played 60% of their special team snaps. I assume Mac Collins is a special teamer. I assume that's the role he's filling, and sure, he'll be in on some five wide receiver sets, or if somebody's hurt, he'll be in the game, something like that. But I doubt you're getting much more than 20 catches out of Mac Collins this year. It's more about a special teamer that can play wide receiver for you. They I, still have a hole in terms of an outside wide receiver. I'm telling you, I think more and more, not knowing anything because they're not going to play their hand, that they love a wide receiver too two in the draft. Probably. I think, I think they love somebody. We don't yeah. know who. I mean, we, we are, they, they already know all the wide receivers. They've been at the Combine. They know everybody. So I think they've either fallen in love with someone or like a lot of guys, and that's where they think they're going to they're gonna, uh, fill the spot. Do you think there's any chance they go after Julio Jones, who got released by the Titans? Um, I mean, maybe play around with it a little. He's 33, 10 games last year, 434 yards. Had um, some injuries. Not, not yet. Yeah. Not what he once was. He's, you know, what would Julio Jones cost you? I don't know. He was. He would have been if if the Titans had kept him. He would have been the second highest paid receiver in football. Okay. Would have been making over twenty million. But you're not giving him twenty million. Right. But he played ten games last year, and I don't know what to make of the wide receiver market because you had one team in the Cowboys who absolutely did not want to pay Amari Cooper twenty million dollars. You had DJ Chark go to the Lions on a one-year, ten million dollar deal, yeah. right? Those are two. Those are two teams telling you, "Hey, we don't want to pay wide receivers a lot of money." But then you also had Christian Kirk's seventeen right. million dollars a right. year with the Jags, and so you had one team basically tell you, "Yeah, we we do we do want to pay wide receivers." So I don't know what to expect from Julio Jones. He is older, coming off an injury. Presumably, that's going to put him at somewhat of a discount. If you can sign Julio Jones 10? for, I mean, if it's 10, I think you do it for sure. If it's, but I'm thinking, like, if it's 15 million for Julio Jones. I don't think I'd do that. You don't think you'd do 15 million? I don't know if I'd do 15 million coming off an injury. It goes back to, like you said, what do they think of the draft? Yeah. Is yeah. there, and, and you Is say one guys or two, right it might need to be more than one or it two because they're or four picking. Because they're probably gone. Right, because they're picking 22nd. Right. But if they, if they think they can get a productive wide receiver. Immediately, right? Rookie year, productive wide receiver in the first round. Then you don't pay a wide receiver any money, right? No. Like you might, you might go sign another Mac Hollins, right? You might go sign somebody like that, but you're not paying significant money to any of these wide receivers because you think you can get that production for a guy on his rookie contract, which is much more valuable. So I am fascinated to see what they do there because it's still a hole on this team. Let me ask you this. What if they trade up to get a receiver? That'd be interesting too. You could move up in the draft, and if you think you know another team is going to steal one, right. like if you right. think if you would love one wide receiver, you love right? the USC kid, and someone's right. about to take him, and you and you're convinced another team's drafting him, you're right. You might trade up and say let's let's get up to 11 or whatever that spot right. would be, and go get him. That would be interesting to see too. Let me ask you this: What do you think's a bigger hole right now? Offensive line slash right tackle or wide receiver? Offensive line slash right right tackle. I think so too, because I I think they can survive as a you know average NFL offense without a great wide receiver on the outside right if you told me that it's another Zay Jones type that's going to be right. that outside guy for an entire season that's not great that's not ideal but I think you can survive because you still have two good pass catching options in Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller the problem with offensive line is Derek Carr won't survive right if you told me they're going into next year with 
Denzel Good, and Alex, Alex Leatherwood, Leatherwood and, and a rookie. Jermaine Elmanor or something. That guy stays. Jared Jones-Smith still Jared on the Jones roster. Smith. If you're telling me they're going with those type of guys starting next year, I, but they have a number one wide receiver like Julio Jones, I don't think that's going to work out very well. I don't think, A, you're going to have any success running the ball, which was a problem last year. Right. And more importantly, you're not protecting Derek Carr. Right. Guy's going to fumble a lot. Guy's going to throw the ball Small away hands. a lot. Like, it's it's going to happen if he's under a ton of pressure. So your offense is not going to be good. So I think it is a much bigger hole, much bigger problem that they have along the offensive line. All right, coming up next, the NCAA tournament is about to start. If you want to hear that, our sister station, uh, 1230, the game. We'll be airing the early games, 4 o'clock. Come back here to ESPN Las Vegas for the afternoon games. Bischoff's Briefs is next. Bischoff's Briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No. Me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's Briefs. See, I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth. One run game, first and third. Left-handed batter, right-hand reliever. Infield, a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's Briefs. Scoring in hockey, it seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Lepetier passes to Huck and Chuck, who skates past the blue line. Huck and Chuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labatt after sitting out last season with, oh my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. As of this minute, the Mountain West has scored the most points in the round of 64 of the NCAA tournament. Nobody can take that away from them. They had the first points in the round of 64 as Colorado State and Michigan are underway, and now it's tied at Five. You can hear that game over on our sister station, 12.30. The game, the 12.30 will have all of the action up until 4 p.m. and then switch over here to ESPN Las Vegas for the nightcap. We are out at the Westgate. You can come on out and watch the NCAA tournament here. Great place to do so. Get your bets in and watch all of the college basketball action throughout the day. Just one game on now, but we'll be up to four at a time here very, very soon. Um, from the UNLV standpoint, if Colorado State like goes on a run to the Sweet 16, do we hear from Kevin Kruger? Well, we handled a Sweet 16 team. Oh, don't wouldn't you? I'd brag about it. Would you? Yeah, why not? Yeah, make it yourself. He'd rip the NIT. <laughs> How can't you pick us? <laughs> I mean, we, I know we didn't have better metrics than the teams you actually picked, but you know what? <laughs> By far, but you know what? We should have been picked. Why? Because they finished seventh. Um, is David Roddy going to do well in this game? I don't know. I, 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 I told you. I told you before the break. I just. I now they're saying he's a second round pick, and I'll, I'll be honest. Live this year, saw him like three times, twice against UNLV, um, and he just looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, Milwaukee was the best <laughs> defensive player in the country that night. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of David Roddy. I, um, people love him though. People love him as a player. I don't know. I don't know how much I do. Well, he's he's perfect he's in a college basketball sense because he's a power forward that can shoot and a power forward that can he can play on the perimeter as a power forward. But from a pro level, he's only six five. There's no way no. six five David Roddy is playing that role in the NBA. Like six five, you're going to have to be almost a shooting guard. Yep. Right. So I don't know what his position is in the NBA, but college level is a very good player. The interesting part is that UNLV shut him down twice, which is still bizarre. I, what I told you I'm hoping for, 
I hope he goes for like 30 today and is like, you know that Hunter Dickinson guy? Not <laughs> as a, good as David Milwaukee. We've got this guy in the Mountain West Conference <laughs> who plays for UNLV that I couldn't do anything against. His name is David Muwaka. Would be phenomenal. Like, I would love to hear that from him. Be like, ah, that UNLV. I don't know how they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't it be they great? shut down everybody. Wouldn't it be great if he's praising Michigan's defense and then he's saying, you know what, we really got prepared for this by playing UNLV? <laughs> Four three-pointers for Colorado State. It's 14-7 to seven Rams. Uh-oh. The Mountain Four West is on fire. That is good for exactly one of your brackets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That second one, it's not very good. I had Michigan losing in the second round, so we're okay. <laughs> All right. I do want to do a little bit of new baseball rules in Bischoff's briefs today because – did you see the report from Jason uh, Stark that they might bring back the ghost runner rule in extra innings? Do you, did you like that rule? When you get to the extra innings, you put a runner on second to start the 10th well, inning. I'm a softball guy, so I loved it. You loved it. All <laughs> I'm right. a softball guy. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Usually all I see is hatred of the ghost runner rule. Now we have an airball three, by the way, by Colorado State, so they might be done making threes. Um, I loved it. Simply because, A, you're into extra innings, I whatever, speed up the game. We right. see this in lots of sports right. where once you get to an overtime period, we start to change the rules, right? Hockey does three-on-three overtime than a shootout. Soccer does penalties. Um, you know, uh, basketball doesn't do anything different, but we see a football plays in college. It's You eventually go to a two-point conversion shootout. So I don't mind sort of changing the rules of the game and baseball trying to increase – Uh, how often a team scores in extra innings is perfectly fine with that. And it's 162 games, right? If you're going to play, what, 10 to 15 extra inning games? Right, at the most. And it doesn't necessarily favor one type of team over another. So you should be perfectly fine. So I don't have no problem if they bring that back, even though a lot of people hate it. There are some other experimental rules, though, that I'm fascinated to see. These, though, are going to be implemented in the Atlantic League. These are not going to be a Major League Baseball. This is going to be a minor league sort of testing where they situation. Start, where they test all these things. Right. So the first one here has to do with the DH. And the DH last year in the Atlantic League was tied to the starting pitcher. So you could have a DH as long as your starting pitcher was in the game. Right. But once you remove the starting pitcher, your DH was removed from the game as well. And now either the pitchers had to hit or... You had to use pinch hitters the rest of the way at that spot. You could use other hitters. In the order. Right, exactly. But what they're going to try this year is same type of setup. When you pull the starting pitcher, your DH comes out of the game with an exception. If your starter pitches five innings, the DH can stay in for the rest of the game. So if your starter goes five innings and then you pull him, your DH does not have to come out of the game. Your DH can stay in. It's a way to try to incentivize teams to use their starting pitchers more right. because we've seen a lot of you know bullpen games right. we've seen a lot of teams yes. that yeah we're going to pull our starter in the third inning because he's not pitching well enough do you like that change if that's a change that we would see in major league baseball see i don't get too worked up about this stuff i'm fine with it i'm fine with it. if they want to make it so where there's less bullpen games they want the guy to go longer it doesn't push me either way i thought i didn't know about this dh rule um last year in the atlantic i mean I don't know, are they overthinking the room, or you like all these? I like tying the DH to the starting pitcher. I'm not as big of a fan about giving them the five-inning bonus where they get to keep the DH. I like tying it to the starter because, here. okay, here's the thing. The DH is good because we don't have to see pitchers hit. Right, right. We don't have to see guys that don't practice something go up and try, try to, to do, do that it. thing they don't right. practice. Jared, I heard you turn your mic on. Shut it back off. We know you like pitchers hitting. 
the DH. <laughs> the DH. I like the DH, but you're wrong. The DH does eliminate a strategical part of the game where who do you use as a pinch hitter? Do you double switch? Like that right. is actually right. an interesting right. part of baseball right. when you have a double switch. Who you use as a pinch hitter? In American League baseball, a lot of the times. You're not going to have pinch hitter no. simply because your nine best managers don't have to do as much. Right, are in the lineup. Right. So I like the idea that, okay, roughly two at-bats a game, your DH is going to hit for your starting pitcher. And then once you take him out, the next two at-bats that you're going to have from your pitcher spot in a game, you've got to use a pinch hitter. You've got to figure out you might still double switch because you're trying to get the pitcher spot moved to a later time. Right. Like, I like the strategical part of, okay, the last four innings of a game, usually, your DH is not involved. Also, when you're filling out your lineup, who do you put in the DH spot, right? Your DH, like if you're one of your, your best, like the Astros, for example, their second best hitter this year is their DH, Jordan Alvarez. If this was a rule, he's got to play in left field every single day. Right. That guy's eating. No, because you can't lose his bat. Right. You're going to lose his bat for the no. sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and that you just can't have that. So your DH has to be a guy that plays in the field, and then the DH becomes, you know, your ninth or tenth best hitter, or you're giving a guy a half day off, so here's two at-bats, and then right. take the rest of the day off. Like, it, it, to me, I like that rule change because it eliminates pitchers hitting so much. You'll still end up having some pitchers hit because, whatever, you run out of bench players, but it also brings back the strategy of the National League for at least a few innings at the end. And I'm a big fan of that. I like that rule a lot. One other experimental rule in the Atlantic mm -hmm. League. If you're batting, catcher drops a pitch, or it, it's a pass ball, you can run to first base, no matter what the count is. On third, and, and it could be first pitch of the at-bat. If it's a pass ball to the screen, you can take off of crazy. to first base. That'd actually be pretty funny. I love it. This Because here's the thing. One of the interesting parts about baseball is you do not have a standard field size. Every field is different. Some fields have massive space behind home plate. Oh, yeah. And the guy the could get to second. <laughs> Some fields don't. Some fields, there's a freaking brick wall, yeah. and the ball bounces, bounces right, right back, back to, to the, the catcher. catcher. I love the idea of having to know that when you're in the batter's box and know how fast you are and know how strong the catcher's arm is and having to know that so that on an 0-0 pitch, if that ball goes back behind the catcher, are you taking off or are you standing at the plate? Because for some guys and in some ballparks versus some catchers, you might be a good hitter who's not that fast. You might say, I got a way better chance of getting on by just swinging would you, away. Would you like that for the major league level? Oh, I'd love it. I would love it because it, it adds excitement to it. Right now, a pass ball only adds excitement if, if, there's, if there's a runner on and, and if there's two up. strikes. Yeah. But even if there's a runner on, it's not really excitement because the guys, you auto get second. Yeah, you, exactly. There's never a play. Ball gets by the catcher. There's a guy that's kind of fast at the plate. He take like, I love it. And, and, like, also, if it's an 0-2 count and the pitcher just spikes one and it bounces to the back screen, you've got to run because 0-2 well, count, you're getting out most of the if time. If this is the first pitch of the at-bat and it goes past the catcher and there's a runner in second, he can take third? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, and all so runners can move free. up. Yeah, because even if there's a runner on first – he can go the batter can take off to first, well, and that runner can run. That to guy at first better, guy better be going to second. He right? better be paying attention. It adds a level of excitement to the game when that's what you're trying to get, right? The the problem with baseball is there's too many non-action pitches, right? There's too many pitches that nothing really happens. Right. The count changes, which is important, but from an entertainment standpoint, there's too many pitches that nothing happens. And if this adds one play a game.
where a guy takes off for first on an 0-1 pitch that goes to the screen, awesome. Like we're adding a level of excitement to the game that didn't already exist. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkish joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink. There he is. Extreme mixologist. There he is. There he is. <laughs> I'm J.R. Starkus on Twitter. Key account executive, Southern Glaciers, White Spears, Nevada. Tyler and I are back here at the Westgate. The games are going on 16-11. That Mountain West juggernaut, Colorado State, is beating Michigan. And Nico Medved is doing a... He's doing, he's doing a sideline interview because he just signed a 42-year contract. So, 42 so he's he's very he's very secure in his uh, the fact that he's going to be around for a few days. Hey, buddy, Freddie Freeman, how you doing? <laughs> uh, you know, congratulations on getting the old guy. You know, that's, okay, uh, okay. Oh, he is an old nice, guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah I mean, might have one more year in him. That might be it. Yeah. Then it's just going to be a uh, bad yep. contract. It's brutal. Yeah. And then it'll be like another like uh, who, who is it? Um, um, uh, shoot, uh, the, who's the player that still gets a million dollars a year from the Giants? Um, or the Mets? From the oh, Mets. Bobby uh, Bonilla. Oh, Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be another Bobby Bonilla. They'll be paying him forever. And uh, you know, he's you know, hey, he's a good player. You know, so I hope he produces this year. You know, that's he's about, he's about I'm glad Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> I'm glad the Red Sox. You know, didn't get him. Uh, oh, they, they were, were after him, and I was. They were trying. Oh, I know, I know. And I was thinking to myself, I, I even had this conversation with a buddy of mine. I'm like. What it, like we got a young, we got a young group. Like Freddie Freeman's a good ball player, but like, why would you pay an older guy all that money? Like, sure, does he deserve it? Probably from the Braves. But I don't know if he deserves it from a new team. Um, so, kudos to the Dodgers for taking that off of our plate. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, and so we'll we'll see you in the playoffs, buddy. What a lineup! What a lineup for the Dodgers. Well, I mean, we say that every year, but I mean, it's not like they're cleaning up on the championships. But you know. <laughs> A couple of years ago, they wore they ordered rings. Come on, beautiful rings. A couple years ago, come on. Jr. I, I have a I have a baseball rules question for you. The Atlantic League is going to try out a new thing where on any passed ball, the batter can take off for first base. And obviously, if the catcher throws him out at first, he's out. If he gets there, he's safe and it counts as a hit. Uh, do you like that rule change? It counts as a hit. Yeah, if you, if first first <laughs> that's, pitch that's goes the to the issue. back screen. You take off. You got a single, baby. Oh, I didn't hear that. Part. Yeah, you get a single. Oh, okay. So, 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 all right. So, there, it doesn't matter if there's a runner on. Nope, that runner can move up too. You just any pitch that go, any pitch the catcher does not catch, you can just take off and run to first. Interesting. So the runner. All right. So before I answer this question, the runner on first base. So if he sees the pitcher, if he sees the first, the, the guy in the batter's box break for first base. He's got to go. He's be- he better take off. He better start Okay, running. so then there's also potential for a double play, right? So if the oh, catcher yes. wants to throw down a oh, second base. yes. Interesting. Okay, all right. Before, um, you, before you answer, if there's a guy on third and this happens, does he get an RBI? I would think so. It's wow. an RBI single. What a, what a great single yeah. in an RBI. Never put the bat I mean, on the you, ball. You, like, and it went backwards. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, I think it's an interesting strategy play. You know, if you're a – if, if you have runners on second and third and there's a pass ball that kicks back really quick and you have a fast dude at the plate, does he break? And he's like, all right, I'm going to take this single and we're either going to load the bases or this catcher's going to have to potentially throw down and the, third, the guy from home is going to break now where he maybe not wouldn't have before because there was a big enough kickback or something. Um, I, I, I'm, all right, I'm into it. Um, 
It's fun. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. That sounds like something the Savannah Bananas would pull off. You know, Probably. that's the kind of yeah. plate, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, would, I would love to see it. I mean, I don't know about it at the pro level yet, but it probably would add some excitement to the pro level, that's for sure. I hate the fact that if there's a runner on first base, um, you know, like, you know, there's a drop third strike that batters out automatically. The runner has to advance at his own risk. Right. Um, so, but I would like to know, like, what happened? Right, so if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm a batter, I'm right-handed batter, is it the moment I step out of the batter's box, I've quote-unquote committed to first because at that point I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. Like, the, uh, they just tag you out and you're out. Like, I don't know the exact answer to that, but I would, I would guess it would be umpire's discretion. Did you make an attempt towards first? Yeah. So like would, a check swing kind of thing. Did he go? Yes, right. he went. I, I would guess you're that's out. what they would do it because you could conceivably, I don't know, it's a wild pitch, so it might, might have almost hit you. You might accidentally step towards first because you were getting out of the way of the pitch or something. Right. And they, they might determine, well, he wasn't running. He was just trying to not get beamed in the head. Uh, so, yeah, I would imagine it's yeah. umpire's discretion to say, no, you committed, you're out, or no, that wasn't him running. He's he's safe. He's good to go. Be a fun and, and I would want – yeah, I like the rule. And I would want to know, is it challengeable? Oh, everything's got to be challenged. Oh, if they committed to first or not? Probably yeah, not. you know, if, if, they, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, umpire's discretion, I think it umpire would discretion, be. it would be umpire yeah, discretion. Yeah, because you can't challenge check swings, right. as, the, as we found yeah. out last year with a couple of different uh, examples. But, yeah, it w- I would imagine it would not be challengeable. Um, all right, what are you of, making for us yeah, on St. Patrick's? Green, a lot of green. I had a follow-up. Oh, you had a baseball follow-up? Go yeah. ahead, Jared. Go ahead. Okay. Would you be – Happy if you had the manager that's like every single time you run to that open first base on a wild pitch, just go ahead and turn and run to second. Because that catcher is literally whipping around trying his best to get it to first base. You might already be on your way to second. This is true. And then it also also brings up what we were talking about before. If there's a runner on third, right, Um, or even on second for that matter, it could be a strategic play where you have like, okay, the dude – Breaks for first, the catcher whips around, throws it, but um, you know, but this runner on second is halfway between second and third. Where does the catcher throw it? Um, or if there's a runner on third, that he's not going to go anywhere, and you know, the guy just hits first and automatically rounds for second, and the runner on third is just standing there, is like, go ahead and throw it because as soon as you throw it, I'm breaking. So then maybe this maybe this batter has an automatic double just because. <laughs> You know, uh, he's fast out of the box. It could be. It, it could be an interesting play. I'd love right. to. It would definitely add a fun layer of excitement to the game, which I think the pro level needs. That college already has, in my opinion, but the pro level needs. I'm excited for the first ever pass ball home run. Oh, Shohei yeah. Otani. It, it break. It, you know, it's caroms off. First yep. baseman's running in to get it. Goes past the first baseman down the right field line. It kind of gets like stuck in the wall, but the umpires determine it's not stuck enough yes. to stop play, and the guy just keeps circling. It'll be great. All right, it's St. Patrick's Day. It's the first day of the NCAA tournament. Jr., what are you making us today? Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna make you basically a, a well. You know, Irish coffee is probably the most popular Irish beverage. Um, other than just straight shots of like Jameson or Irish whiskey, <laughs> so today I wanted to uh, I wanted to make you a, uh, a basically a cold Irish coffee or an iced Irish coffee. Um, I called this co- cocktail the Irish Goodbye. Um, so this is basically a really easy way of doing it. But I also wanted to incorporate a little bit of vodka because um, the reason I wanted to incorporate vodka twofold, right? We talked about this last week. I wanted to incorporate Stoli vodka. Um, and I'm using Stoli Vanilla, and you say, why the hell would you incorporate Stoli Vodka? Well, vodka still today is the, 
the United States and the global number one selling spirit, right? It's, it, is, it is the most widely consumed uh, beverage or spirit. Um, and, and tequila is rapidly catching up, I'll say that. But uh, for a very long time, um, it, it, from the, like 1970s, it has held the reign as number one. Uh, so for this drink, I'm going to use an ounce and a half of Soli Vanilla Vodka. Um, and before you, you kind of go into panic mode, anybody listening, like, oh, this is a Russian vodka and I'm not supporting that. And it is not a Russian vodka. Stoli Vodka is from Latvia. Um, and the interesting thing about Stoli Vodka is in particular that its bottles are, in fact, made in the Ukraine, uh, which is a very interesting point. So there's been a lot of um, uproar and whatnot on social media about people dumping out their Russian vodkas. The truth of the matter is less than 1% of uh, vodka that's made in Russia is actually exported to the United States. And most of the brands that you think are Russian are, are in fact, not Russian or made in the United States already. Um, they just have a Russian-sounding name. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great brand to use for this particular drink, uh, and it adds a beautiful cocktail uh, element with the vanilla flavoring that comes to it. So I'm going to use an ounce and a half of Stoli Vanilla Vodka. On top of that, I'm going to add a half of an ounce of Jameson cold brew Irish whiskey. Now, it wouldn't be an Irish coffee if I didn't add a little bit of Irish whiskey, so I'm going to add a half ounce of this. Uh, I'm going to add three-quarter ounces of uh, liquid alchemist or jat syrup. Or jat is almond. Um, if you just want to add simple syrup, you can do that. You can add a coconut flavor. I think the or jat goes well. If you have an almond allergy, uh, obviously you're not going to use this particular uh, flavoring. Um, so choose another uh, syrup like simple syrup or coconut syrup or something along those lines in the same proportion, three-quarters of an ounce. Um, after that, what I can do is I can take all those ingredients and kind of shake them together. A typical Irish coffee would just be uh, hot coffee, sugar cubes, right, um, your, your Irish whiskey, and then you float a little bit of that heavy cream on top that they, that they hand whip. We're going to do exactly the same thing, but we're going to do it with ice. So we take, the, we take our Irish whiskey, a half of an ounce of the Jameson Cold Brew, an ounce and a half of the Stoli Vanilla, three-quarters of an ounce of the Liquid Alchemist, or Jot, and then add like, I don't know, call it five to six ounces of cold brew coffee, okay? If you have a canned cold brew coffee that you like, feel free to use it. Or if you are the type of person that likes to make your own cold brew at home, which is just basically coffee ground steeped in, in water overnight or for a certain amount of time, use it. Uh, five to six ounces works perfectly here. Take all those ingredients, add ice, and shake them together. You do not want to shake for too long because, obviously, there is water in coffee, so you don't want to over-dilute this. So shake it just to incorporate all the ingredients and have all the ingredients well chilled. Strain that over fresh ice into a larger glass, something like uh, that holds 12 to 14 ounces, over uh, ice from your refrigerator. I use uh, like a large cube style of ice called, from, from a company called Fat Ice. that, that they, they make a clear cube. So I strained it over that. And then on top... You're going to add uh, a bit of your heavy whipping cream. That's basically the, the floater and the piece de resistance of an Irish coffee. To make that, it's two parts of heavy whipping cream and one part of sugar of some sort. So I, again, use that same orgeat syrup. And then I dyed it green with just green food coloring, right? Three to four drops of green food coloring. Shake all of those ingredients without ice in, in a tin, um, or you can use it like a whisk, of, a, a whisk and bowl. Um, and the reaction with the metal or the tin uh, creates this thickening that happens. So if you shake it hard for like 30 to 45 seconds, the hand-whipped cream that you've created is a very thick cream that can then just float right on top of this Irish coffee. Um, you can use the back of a bar spoon as well to help the idea of the floating on top of the drink. And there you have a beautiful um, Irish 
coffee that's cold, a, a cold brew Irish coffee that I called the Irish Goodbye. How sweet is this? Um, it's got some sweetness to it, but because there's uh, a plenty of uh, the vodka, the, the whiskey, um, the coffee, it all stretches it out. So it's got good sweetness to it, but it's not overly sweet. Um, this would be perfect for, for Ed. He might want it a little sweeter. Um, but he would definitely want the, all the whipped cream that where's, he could get. That's where's right. the ice cream? Put the ice cream in it, and then Ed will want it. Uh, so that, so they, what you could do as well, if you wanted, is like if you had a scoop of vanilla ice cream, instead of doing the heavy whipping cream, you could take a scoop of vanilla ice cream, uh, add some green dye to it, and like just put it into a whisking bowl and just whisk it so until it was a little bit more watery, and then float that on top of the drink too. Could you squeeze some of that chocolate syrup all over it? Oh yeah, man. You, then you would use mint and chip ice cream. Then you would use mint and chip ice cream, oh. the green, the green one, you know. Oh. And then you would put your 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 chocolate syrup on top, Don't and then you have me, a, a dessert beverage. Stop teasing me. Uh, do bartenders hate or love St. Patrick's Day? Um, it depends on where you work. So you know, it, it and it depends on your customer, right? If you have um, a drunk idiot guy all day long, you hate your job, unless that drunk idiot guy is tipping you very well. Um, you know, it, it, you I know, will be. Busy, you will be. Yep, that's good, Jared. Thank you. Uh, you, you, you know, you, it, I used to work at a bar that had nickel beer night. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and nickel beer night back in the day was brutal because you know, twenty percent of a dollar of your nickel beers, you know, it's like a buck and a quarter, and they think they're hooking it up. Uh, so that's that's a bad idea. Unless you have the guy that's like, yeah, I'll take my twenty nickel beers, and here's a twenty on top of it. So tip appropriately. Um, you know, be patient with your bartenders today. They're busy, most likely, um, and have your drink order, whatever that may be, ready to go when you get to the bar. There's nothing, at least one of my biggest pet peeves of the bartender is when you saw the bartender was busy, you bellied up to the bar, and when the bartender gets to you, you don't even know what the hell you want. So know what your drink order is, have it ready to go, because I'm telling you right now, if you're in a busy bar, you walk up to the bar, and the, your first move is to look back at your boys for for what they want to drink, that bartender, when you turn back around, he's gone. He's gone, and he's on to the next person, and you got to wait again. And then you have to take a 20 or a 50 or a 100 out of your pocket and show the bartender, I got money to tip you. Please come back. Now you're begging him. JR, all right. So one of my favorite things ever is back in the old 51s days, they used to have dollar beer night. And about halfway through the game, we would just stop watching the game and start watching the crowd because you would see, I don't know, a pregnant woman fist fighting with a child. Yeah. What is what it's is stuff. the craziest thing that has happened on Nickel Beer Night? Oh, there's there's I mean there's all kinds of fights you know or like when people it's the funny thing is all right, so Nickel Beer Night is you know the, the 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 beers are served in like five ounce glasses right They're, you're not getting a pint of beer you're getting five ounces of beer so basically for fifteen cents or twenty cents you get equivalent to a regular glass or a pint of beer okay um, and so. The, the funny thing is, is that there's so much beer coming out, like you're just pouring beer all night. You almost don't stop the flow of the tap. And the thing is, is when the guy comes back and he's like, give me 45 beers or, you know, 50 beers, and, uh, and you're handing on 50 and, the, and, like, the keg taps out at, like, 45, and they're mad at you because they didn't get their extra five for the quarter. Um, you know, that's, that's the part that's funny. You're like, you're going to be fine with the 45 beers you got. Keep your extra quarter. Uh, but th- th- those are the ones, like, it- it's so funny to see how things become so relative um, in the moment to the price that you're spending. When I was a kid, I used to play poker with my dad. And then, you know, I'm nine years old when he was teaching me how to play poker. And we played with uh, pennies, nickels, and dimes uh, and quarters. And so if somebody puts down a quarter bet in poker, you're like, oh, my gosh, what do you have? Well, yeah, you must have, like, a, you know, a royal flush if you put down a quarter. 
Uh, so it's, it just becomes so relative when you're playing with that kind of money. So I think the funniest thing is when somebody fights you over, you know, or it gets angry over your, over a quarter. Well, he is J.R. Starkus, our extreme mixologist. J.R., thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. You bet, guys. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to, talk to you next week. All right. Tell you who's enjoying the game right now is Colorado State. Yeah, they're blowing them out. Here we go. We've got tickets to go see Megadeth. Megadeth is coming to Las Vegas on April 9th at Michelob Ultra Arena, and we got a pair of tickets for you right now. We'll take caller number 7 at 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets to go see Megadeth. You know, if, if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. It's a lot of ifs in this game, and, you know, you look at history along the lines, like there's some something that comes up for every team during every season. So, you know, instead of just taking the high route and going, you have to make a comment like that. It's kind of funny. You're locked in the press box. We are out here at the Westgate inside the Superbook for the first day of the NCAA tournament. We'll be back out here tomorrow. Cofield and company are on from 1 to 4 p.m. today. An early show for Cofield and company because starting at 4, we'll be carrying the night games of the NCAA tournament. If you want to listen the games going on right now we've got coverage over on our sister station 12 30 the game if you want to hear colorado state beating michigan by 10 right now also we've got south dakota state up by two on providence at the moment south dakota state has multiple alley-oops in <laughs> for their dunks. Game. every time i look up they're dunking everything about south dakota state is they shoot a lot of threes three-point shooting they have multiple alley-oops in the first 10 minutes of the game against providence so, so they they missed real bad on the three, and some guy went, I got it. Uh, they actually haven't. I think they've only made one three so far. They haven't been a big uh, three-point shooting team in this game. They've gotten to the rim quite a bit, which is probably a concern for, for Providence. Providence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one thing if a team just goes nuts from three, but if you're giving up dunks and layups, that's not ideal. But Colorado State, their lead's down to eight. Now it's uh, up it's to 11. 11 because they can't miss from they three. They cannot miss. It, it's, it's incredible how good they've done shooting from three. Like, Surely this is going to – they are uh, – what are they? They've made at least five or six threes at this point by now as at a At least team. five. So they're up 11, under four to go in the first half. You think they're going to pull it out? 11's a I decent, mean, decent lead here. If they can get 11 at the half, that's hard to, it's hard yeah. to come back from. I don't, know, I don't know if Michigan's going to have – Michigan hasn't been able to take advantage inside. Hunter Dickinson no. has not done much on the interior. So I'm nice curious to see where Colorado – or excuse me, where Michigan comes up with – uh, come overcoming an 11-point deficit unless Colorado State just goes ice cold, which is possible. Probable. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that is uh, – Ken Palm actually did a big, like, breakdown of this. The most likely teams to blow a halftime lead are the ones that went nuts from three. Like, if a team goes something like 8 of 11 from three in the first half, they usually end up blowing their big lead because – you don't shoot eight of eleven in the second half. Right. If you if your lead was built off, oh, we just knocked down a bunch of threes, that's not sustainable. Normally, you're going to revert back to normal and go two of eleven in the second half, and now all of a sudden it's a game, which could happen to Colorado State. They just State, hit another three, but they keep hitting threes. <laughs> so now thirty four. You know what the weird part is? It's a twelve point lead. I I tend to think, and this would be possible if UNLV was in this game, they'd be at twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine them beating Michigan by 24? They'd probably have the lead at the half and maybe even win the game. Wait, so hold on. If if Kevin Kruger is like, hey, we beat a Colorado State team that, that went to the second round, yeah. don't you just kind of say, yeah, you also got blown out by Michigan who lost in the first round. Like, 
It's kind of a true. you can kind of push back on it because Michigan beat them by 14 or something like that. Yeah, that so. is true. That is true. <laughs> Forgot about that score. I okay. <laughs> watching this game right now, Colorado State and Michigan. Watching Wyoming play in the first four, I will say this about UNLV. Their record, their metrics weren't anywhere close to the NCAA tournament. Second half of the year, they were playing as well as a lot of these teams that are in the NCAA tournament were playing. They could come in and compete with right. somebody? Like if you told me they were playing Colorado State or if they had played in the first four against Indiana or something like that. Right. They might not, I'm not, they're probably not winning any of those games, but they're in those games, right? We're talking about a four, three-point spread or something like that, and UNLV's got a chance, you know, at the under-eight timeout to win the game. Like, I think UNLV could have been competitive with a lot of these teams. It's a good sign, except now Bryce Hamilton and Royce Ham are not going to be back next year.